Respect your body, I think, is the biggest thing too. Like teaching a kid to like actually have respect for his sexuality, respect for his unit. You know, you only got one piece. Then you got to treat it with some respect and some kindness. Hi there. I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Hey, babe. Yo, what's up? Hey everybody, welcome back to the realness. <laughs> you know, you gotta go, it goes like it goes up and down. It's like, yo, everybody, welcome back to the realness podcast. I'm but can you do that with ceremony wellness? Can you do it like that um, for me? I can do it in your voice. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> How do you do it? You're like, I don't ever say welcome back. Our guest or... today has been such a, a majestic um, player in the journey of my experience of life <laughs> in the manifest uh, astral goodness. <laughs> you have said astral more in the last four days than ever. What is... Are you feeling know. the astral? Maybe. Somebody said it and just been spinning so my head. That's funny. how I go. All right. So Connor is back. If you guys don't follow <laughs> so our so really it. amazing love story on Instagram and don't already follow him, he's at Connor Wanders. He hosts the Realness Podcast. He is the love of my life and the, yeah. the holder of my heart. We've been working through Kelly's control issues a lot lately. Yeah. Like she actually is the one that posts all the photos of her on my Instagram and she writes the captions to it. Shut up. lie to my people. You suck. <laughs> I'm like, Kelly, what, how'd you get my password to Instagram? <laughs> She's like, I have, I have ways. I'm like, <laughs> I how you write really nice things about yourself on my Instagram page. <laughs> the day I met her, I knew as I looked longingly like into posts, her beautiful brown eyes. She posts on my Instagram and then she goes and comments from her Instagram on my Instagram. Wow, babe. Thanks. So sweet. And I'm like taking a nap the whole time. So <laughs> we brought Connor back and maybe I should just make an announcement. I'm changing the show a little bit. We're going to be doing this regularly. So we went to four episodes a month. I'm going back to eight episodes a month. I'm going to have two episodes with Connor a month and two solo episodes coming up in September. So get ready. Yeah, content explosion. So excited. An eruption of content from the Ceremony Wellness team. (laughs) So (laughs) the reason... We have Connor with us today. Is um, he's amazing and I love mine. him. <laughs> and he says really dumb stuff that we can laugh at as we're driving. But there's a lot of things to cover. And because Connor does such a great job working with his clients and he answers these questions for a living, I thought it would be the perfect opportunity for us to talk about sex and relationships and everything surrounding that. So in this episode, we start out talking about our own relationship and he expresses what he's going through with his own insecurities and issues and where he admits that he's growing the most in our relationship. And we talk about pressure and feeling overwhelmed. We get into passion and desire and space in a relationship and the importance of doing new and different things together. And then we answer listener questions. You guys have to stay till the end because I love you, but I'm not biased in this. You killed the last question. Did I really? It was... So good. You guys, just to give you a little teaser, because I truly want you to listen to the end, especially if you're a parent, we talk about 
A question from a mom who has two young boys and how she is trying to support them in their sexuality and fostering a relationship of openness where they can ask questions where she doesn't shame them, but they have an open and honest relationship and conversation so that these boys are equipped with tools as they grow up. Is that a fair way to express that? Pretty much, yeah. You killed it. We also talk about not coming just from sex and needing a different stimulation. We talk about what... For, for ladies. For girls. We talk about what I find hard to talk about with Connor still and how I talk with his inner child. And <laughs> then we discuss what it's like to get back into the dating pool after 18 months. After 18 months of, of commit, personal com- development. committed personal development work. Yeah, yeah. So this is a really special episode. And I... Yeah, actually, in that one real quick, we talk about... This is, I think, the best part about that question or the answer was talking about how to entice men into making the first move. Yes. By actually making the first move. Because that's kind of how it works. What you guys need. I like that. There's like three moves into making the first move. Yes. So killed it. That was a really fun episode. And I'm so grateful that you're with us. And I also want to talk really quickly about Ceremony Wellness Live. It's only like six weeks away, which is so close. Literally crazy. And we have an incredible lineup. Just a few sponsors I want to share with you guys because this is going to be such a special day. And I'm so honored to have these people in the room. We're going to have bodywork, chiropractic from Myo Detox, which is where I get all my body work done. We have Pilates Platinum. They're giving away free Pilates classes. Woo More Play is putting their amazing lube in all of the goodie bags. It's my favorite lube Thank out there. Thank you very much. It's the only one that we use. I actually put it in my coffee. What? Well, it's coconut oil. It's coconut good. oil. You're keto friendly. So ridiculous. There's stevia in it too. Keto sex. <laughs> um, we have Needed, which is an incredible omega-3 supplement company. We're doing breakfast from Urban Remedy and Surya Spa. Not only is my doctor speaking, but she's also providing an Ayurvedic lunch for everyone. Yeah. I'm Next excited level. about the I'm excited about the ayahuasca samples. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Don't scare everybody. <laughs> They're like, what the hell? No ayahuasca there, you guys. Um, but if you do want to join us realness retreat, you can go to uh, getTheRealness.com. But if you guys want to join us for Ceremony Wellness Live on October 5th, you can hear Connor and I speak. We're going to be doing a little bit more of this, talking about conscious relationships and how we uh, put up with each other. And go to kellytenant.com slash live and join us. Ready? Ready, set, go. Go. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing cruise. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free. Philosophy, Hakuna Matata. You know, when I was growing up, I listened to a Walkman and I would sing really loud in my room, and everybody told me how bad my voice was all the time. Oh my God. And that was my first experience with sex shame. Sex shame? How does that impact sexuality? <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask me. Wow. <laughs> Is that why you said you that, used to be quiet to, in the was, bedroom and now you're I was listening more talkative? to like, sing Leanne Rhymes really loud. I was super goofy. And TLC. Your love, Leanne. I used to fuck with TLC big time. I love TLC. Oh, Waterfall is such an interesting song. I've sang it probably 37,000 times before I actually listened to the words and realized it's very dark. Go oh, listen it? to TLC Waterfalls. Oh, no. I used it's to ab- do it's that. About, oh, it's, about, it's about going too far and dying. Oh. Like if somebody gets AIDS, uh, somebody gets shot. Yeah, oh. it's very intense. Go listen to it.
my cousin and I, we had a we had our pool when we were growing up with the jacuzzi and the jacuzzi waterfalled into the pool because we were bougie as fuck in Temecula. Shout out mom and dad who probably don't listen we, to the show. We had that in Graham too. It wasn't like... Okay. Well, I felt bougie. <laughs> I felt super cool. Things are ruining my cool dream. Yeah. But um, my cousin and I used to like do a dance in the waterfall singing that song like an interpretive dance. Clearly, we weren't interpreting it well. People yeah, were like getting were sick and dying. Gang violence and... <laughs> The AIDS epidemic in the 90s. Yeah. Oh my God. I do love them though. <laughs> so let's talk first um, because I was just on your show when this comes out a couple weeks ago. So if you guys haven't listened to the latest episode that Connor and I did on the Realness podcast, go back and listen to that. I give you permission to pause my show to go listen to that one because it's so you good. You can just listen to it after. You can, but it'll give you, I think, good kind of If you of do foundation. find yourself over there, you can just go ahead and tap that five-star review button as well. Leave some kind words. For those of you that don't know, Connor and I are having a review battle that I am winning so well. I, am I winning before, so well? Before we get, let's let's <laughs> start accounting for everything. It's like, I have a podcast feed that mm-hmm. is laid dormant that has almost 300 reviews on it. So technically, I have... You still over, have more than Way me. more than you. You do. Like substantially more. But for the realness, and ceremony wellness, I'm kicking your ass. But I have you to thank for that because the last week Connor said that we were turning into a competition and that people needed to come leave him reviews um, because I was beating him and he wanted to catch up. I think I had 15 more than him at the time. Well, what happened is I got a shit ton more reviews because you guys are awesome and I appreciate you. And so now he is offering like nude selfies and Polaroids and dirty t-shirts and things. See, when listen, everybody's, I offer good gifts for my reviews. out here giving away like free supplements and stuff. Why don't I just give away selfies, old school selfies with a Polaroid camera? Mm-hmm. That's what the people really want. It is. They don't want like Four Sigmatic and like... Yeah, they do. I give products. away... Energy bits. I give away my journal. I give away Bija Bar turmeric. How about this? I'll give you um, life advice with zero context, handwritten. <laughs> I'll write. I will. On sticky notes. If you. How about this? If you're listening to this podcast right now and you go leave a review <laughs> on the Realness Podcast, screenshot it, send it to me on Instagram uh, at, at Connor, Connor Wanders. I will send you a handwritten note with super misspelled life advice that was zero context on what you're going through. I will get deep into my soul. I'll dig into my my consciousness that is obviously super tapped into source as we yeah, all know. So woke. Um and I'll give you I, I will I will give you what you need. It's like it's like drawing an oracle card or like whatever the fuck this is. Drawing the Connor card? Yeah, but it's just like <gasps> Babe, you should make that. Make a deck? Yes. We already talked about that. I'm making a deck. But it sounds way different than what you're gonna make. Yeah, if I'm, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a deck called "Don't Be That Guy." Oh, that's right. <laughs> We're just like, what not to do today? But I think it should be like pull a Connor card. Yeah. So anyways, okay. you'll get that. So just go ahead and drop that review. Send me the screenshot, and uh, I'll send you some life advice in the mail. Yep. So we're basically pen pals now. I'm gonna win this competition. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, anyways, as we were saying, so back on that that show that we just did. I talked a lot about my personal insecurities and things I'm working through, revelations I'm having, the work that I'm doing to be a better person. And it kind of fucking sucks sometimes. And I have had to admit things that I do that don't feel good. And I've had to learn how to apologize, which was quite the experience. Yeah. And that was really hard. So what I would like to do in this show with you is start it off talking about how you work through your insecurities and issues and where you admit that you're growing the most in our relationship. Well, 
I got rid of my insecurities when I killed my ego many, many moons ago. The ego death? Many moon cycles ago. <laughs> I think Mercury, Mercury has retrograded like several times since then. <laughs> At least four dozen times. That's how I count things now. I don't use a calendar. I just go and it's just full retrogrades. That's it. <laughs> I, I literally six podcasts every retrograde. <laughs> um, so, so when I had insecurities... <laughs> The way that I worked through them, I think one of the biggest things that I that I struggled with with insecurities because I mean, insecurities are a part of life, right? I believe that we are kind of an accumulation of our life experience impressed on whatever DNA that has happened to create our meat suit that we're running around in. So, by you can't experience everything, and with lack of experience in certain areas, or or experience of shame or fear or judgment in some other areas, like you're going to have parts of yourself that you suppress and don't necessarily love, right? And it's this process of uncovering those things and and reconciling those. So for me, a big part of working through insecurities was becoming aware of my own like, resentment of myself. And when I said that the first time, the first time, I, the first time I ever said. I resent myself for X. It felt like a weight was like lifted off my shoulders, right? It was like, holy shit, that's actually really, that's really profound in my own experience. So what I try and do with insecurities, the same thing I try and do with, with most things that I try to address in my life is one, get objective about them, like take a step out and like, is this even real? Like, is this even a real thing that I'm concerned about, right? And then... Can you give an example of that before you go on? So, for example, early in life, I thought that in order to have friends, I had to provide value in certain ways. So growing up in my bougie life, which wasn't that bougie at all, we just like lived out in the country and had a pool and everybody went in like a motorcycle and stuff. So people come up to my house and play and I also lived across the street from like some cute girls in my grade. So my friends would come over, but it wasn't like they would come over to hang out with me. It's like they would come over to like use our stuff, mm. you know, or like it was like we'd have a sleepover, but it would just be so we could like sneak across the street and like go talk to the girls. And I realized in an experience like that I was, I was creating that same scenario in my life over and over again. And it wasn't the people's fault. Like I was teaching people how to treat me, but that's what I'd patterned. Like this is how you, this is how you have friends is you offer something in that way. For me, it was like the pool and the slide and the stuff or the place to drink when we got older. Mm-hmm. And the babes. I think somebody lost their virginity in my backyard. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, at least one person besides me. But I was going to say, not you or besides uh, you? Or... No, I was in the house. Oh, okay. um, but uh, so look at this and like, try to understand, am I creating this for myself or is this like a real... Is this something that's really like really happening, or is it something that I'm perceiving to be happening that's not mm. tangibly acceptable? So I try and get, maintain some objectivity and like look, working through insecurities. And when I ask myself that question, like, is this real? Is this like a real thing? It gives me a little bit of space to create dialogue with myself. And I guess it kind of sounds kind of crazy where you're having like a conversation with yourself. But it mostly, for me, comes up in journaling. So what's the question again? I went down a rabbit hole there. Um, how you work through... It's, it's my fault I interrupted you. How you work through your insecurities and issues and where you admit you're growing the most in our relationship. Yeah. So that's, that's my more or less like process of going, like working through anything that I feel like is 
is of note, right? That's something that's like made itself available to me to work through, <laughs> which seems like it happens kind of like this whack-a-mole game throughout life. And in our relationship, I think that for me, I mean, initially, I felt that there was this like success and balance, right? And I don't think if you look at it, it it's more or less where we spend our time like now looking at it when I got a little closer and you were super transparent about what where you were at and what you had done and all these things. But you know, you had this like career and I, I had had like a career that was you know, long and very, like very dedicated and had a level of success in that career and like, and learned a shit ton from that. And it took me again, it's like, what's real, right? So I looked at your life and I'm like, okay, this is what you've shared with me about your experience. Here's mine. Here's the value of yours. Here's the value of mine. They're different for sure. There's a lot of similar lessons in there. So aside from maybe a financial piece, that's not, I'm not in, I'm not inadequate there. Mm-hmm. So I could reconcile like that in the beginning. It wasn't hard to reconcile that for myself. It's like there's value, the experience that I have and this, maybe I'm feeling this insecurity, but that's not necessarily appropriate mm-hmm. because there's value that I bring due to this thing that I'm insecure about. So there's not really any need to be insecure about that. Mm-hmm. I can communicate that. So that was an well, easy one I to get over in the beginning. Just to add to that too, I think that part of that piece for you, you that you've talked about quite a bit is that um, I had already achieved or done in my career and then given that up what you have not yet achieved in um, success and attention in that way. Yeah. Like that outer attention. So I think that was something that like you struggled with a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it wasn't... That wasn't necessarily an insecurity. That was more trying to get you on the same page. Like mm. you don't see, like I'm looking at this thing, right? That's, that's, there's a lot of things that you've already done. And that's like, maybe let's call it like attention, mm-hmm. right? That I'm looking, I'm looking to like fulfill in my life. I think a goal that I think I can attain and I'm working towards. And I didn't want you to think it was, I think one thing that happens if you've already done it is that you, it's kind of like in your like things that have already happened and it isn't as cool. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't want you to, I don't want it to feel like to me, it's a bigger deal than it is to you. I don't want, I just wanted to let you know, like the, you may be looking at this, like maybe with a little bit of judgment or like, well, he's just going to get there and then realize it's not everything that he thought it was. And that's, I think there's a little bit of space in communicating that where it's like, yeah, this is, but this is something I wanted like to, I have a healthy relationship with the pursuit of this. Mm-hmm. And I would like to learn from you because you've already kind of been there mm-hmm. in your own way. Mm-hmm. As far as insecurities, I mean, I felt like in my last relationship, I was so fucking insecure about so many things that I just didn't bring a lot of that into this. I think that, you know, and you have, I know you have some like other questions over there in your little spreadsheet of (laughs) things to point out. Guys, I got my laptop in front of me. I am so professional today. Yeah, you are. This is like super... Super legit podcasting. You're actually wearing mostly like real clothes. I'm in real clothes, not like <laughs> no pants dance over here. I'm at our podcasting table in our quote unquote studio that Connor has created for us. It's, it's rock on, baby. It is. So working through that, I think, and, and and not having to then like project the same, like I need to add value in all these certain ways or else I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. Like that's where most of my shit stems from. And so I, I think I feel that when it when it comes up, but I know what's what's the what's the next question? You've got something over there. I can see it in your face. You're um, gonna call me out on something that I'm missing. <laughs> no, the next question is where you admit you're growing the most in our relationship. Yeah, I think for me it is 
Oh, this is what I was trying to get to. Sorry, I'm like, no, it's you okay. Thinking about a lot of like back, of like we're all over the place. Past. Sorry. Yeah. So where I'm, I feel like I'm growing the most in our relationship is the transition from. There was a lot of freedom for me in this kind of Peter Panish type environment where I could do whatever the fuck I wanted to do, and the only consequences were really to me. Right? It was like if I didn't achieve or or get the thing, like we were just talking about, like get the thing that I thought I needed then the only cost was like it was on me, right? It was my life was the only one that impacted. I was totally comfortable with the worst case scenario, which gave me a lot of freedom to just fucking go for it and do different things and take risks that most people wouldn't have taken and create a healthy relationship with risk in itself. So for me, something that was has been challenging, and I would say, yeah, this comes up as an, as an insecurity in certain ways, is is feeling like uh, like I need to be responsible for... More, which means I kind of need to step up or be like called forward, depending on how you want to say that, which was surprisingly challenging and almost like intimidating in a way because I hadn't had to do it at the level that I feel like I need to do it with us. And so a lot of things came at me fast that I had wanted in my life, but I didn't. I was like trying to catch like three balls getting thrown at you at the same time. <laughs> it was like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So it was a little bit more of a... Of a um, it just seemed like, like I was doing a lot at one time. And it was like a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of spinning plates. You know, like it was just trying to keep everything above board and trying to choose which sacrifices I need, needed to make, right? Because it's... All of a sudden, it goes from like three things to 11 things. And it's like, okay, well, there's got to be some cuts here. Like what's worth my energetic investment? Where are my values? Can my values guide these decisions? Can I, can I choose my sacrifices? And what kind of problems do I want to have in my life? And I kind of keep things in that, in that vein. So the insecurity came from, can I be the man at the level that I, I would... That's in integrity with me for this relationship. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. It's completely. like there's like a level of like, I want to be at this level of integrity with myself in my relationship. Can I do that? Because that's that's a bigger challenge than getting a bunch of podcast downloads mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, the other thing sure. is just like do it. Yeah. This is like, okay, that means you have to actually work on your shit. You mm-hmm. can't just like dance a dance for it. Mm-hmm. So you and I were apart yesterday because I went home to see my parents and we were voice texting. And we that's how we talked when we first started dating, which was super cute. We were never on the phone on like a phone call until like the second time we hung out. Yeah. We always just texted and voice noted. So, it was really funny because I didn't realize that until you called me and I was like, oh yeah. shit, you know, this has never happened before. Yeah. And um, so yesterday I was like feeling all cute and in my feels. I was like, oh, I'm going to voice text him. So we were going back and forth on this and um, my four-minute voice text. <laughs> I was saying how amazing you are and how in awe I am of you and even more so than when we first met, which I couldn't believe was possible and how much I love you and respect you and I'm so grateful for you and just went on and on. And I thought it was interesting your response and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. So I'm curious what you're going to say. Put me on the spot, girl. That's what I do. You said something about how it was really overwhelming to hear me say things like that about you and see you in that way. And you talked about pressure. And you've said that a few times in our relationship, even from the beginning, that I like saw you as this person and saw the way you were going to change the world or impact people and, and the way you show up and just 
all of these incredible characteristics that you bring to the table and how wonderful I think you are. And you, you tend to take on a pressure with that. And I'm curious what that thought process is for you and how that plays into what you were just talking about of trying to be this guy who stays in integrity and is, you know, is this person and what that feels like. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm going to do my best to answer this in like a way that's not so roundabout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so the pressure, I mean, I think a lot of times when you're in a, like an intimate partnership, right? And you can see, like, I can see things about you that you don't see about yourself. And David Data talks about that in the phases of relationship. Not worth like diving into, but it, research it if you're into that kind of stuff. David Data has some really cool stuff out there and intimate communion and different things like that. Mm. Uh, for guys out there, Actually, women love this too. The Way of the Superior Man. Fantastic book. One of the mm-hmm. best books I've ever read in my life. But um, the pressure, I think that you can see what I'm capable of in a, through a different lens than me, which is a lot. It's a lot, to, it's a lot to see. It's a lot to see. You know, you don't want to disappoint somebody. Mm-hmm. And you also don't want to... Like I've lost myself in relationships and I think a lot of people lose themselves in relationships and you don't know till you're there. And you're so pragmatic and like you have a thing that you're like, you're much more, I would say structured than I am in that way where I kind of have like enough structure to keep things moving. And then like a lot of openness to be open to whatever the fuck comes up Mm -hmm. and then enough space to play around in that. And I think that the nervousness or the pressure comes is like, okay, can I do the thing that I believe and she believes that I'm capable of without losing myself along the way. Mm. And that's a complex thing to do. And I don't think you ever achieve it without losing grip a little bit and then getting it back and renegotiating that process with yourself. But it is a lot. You know, it's a lot. And I know that you, you know, even the phrase like change the world. Mm -hmm. Like I would say that anybody who thinks they're going to change the world is like, just maybe too scared to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I'd like to make people smile and maybe reconsider themselves a little bit and and through the process of asking yourself good questions and, and making difficult choices and being honest with yourself, I feel that people can live a more full life. And I love doing that. But my goal is not to change the world. Yeah, but I think that that's the thing you're missing is that that is changing the world. Yeah, maybe. I'm not. I'm not saying you're gonna go out and be like <laughs> fucking Mother Teresa and like impact a bajillion people. But that and that's not really the goal. But the goal is to help people see themselves clear, to see their own potential, what's available to them. I watched you at Sultara, and the people that you attracted there. And the fact that so many of us, myself included, never would have gone or known about it or had that experience had it not been for you. And to me, that's changing the world because I watched a bunch of people walk in with no fucking clue what they were getting themselves into in a lot of ways (laughs) and walk out of there a changed human for the better. That is a beautiful gift that you have. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's cool. It's fun. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I surprise myself with the shit that I pull off. <laughs> I, think the, my, I think the difference is like when you hear it in, from someone else like that, it, 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 uh, it, seems like, it seems like a lot. But to me, it's just doing the thing that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's, again, I think when you lose... When you start to think about it in that, in that 
in that through those through that lens, you can kind of get you can get guilty of, uh, or you can get kind of caught up drinking your own Kool Aid, mm-hmm. right? Where it's, I like to keep it on, on a on a micro level a little bit more than that, um, personally, and and really be as in it and involved as I can to where I almost have to remind myself to look at the bigger picture sometimes versus like looking at the bigger picture and then going back the other way. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that just makes more sense to me. And I'll look up every now and then and be really surprised at like how much progress has been made. So I was just doing the thing. But it feels very genuine. And, and, the, and the matters of integrity are really interesting to me too because that's a... Your level of integrity can only really match the level that you're honest with yourself about what you actually want or need in life. And if you can't have you honest with yourself about what you want and need, then the idea that you can maintain integrity in anything is really naive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting game for sure. Yeah. You know what else is an interesting game is balancing my spiritual journey that I am on right now <laughs> with your practical spirituality that you talk about and implement, which that's one of the reasons I love you and am so attracted to what you do because you take very complex spiritual experiences and you help people implement structure or I don't know how to describe it, like tangible tools that they can implement into their lives that make small changes that then ripple into big changes. Yeah. So being with someone like me who is new in this space that you've been in for quite some time that has really you know, dove deep in. I'm reading all the books. I'm doing all the things. I'm going on the retreats, working with the healers and your side, which is very much about the practical side of things. One, my question is how you balance that and show up for me and and really support me in that journey, but also how you in your own life and with your clients help them bridge that gap between practicality and spirituality and make it work. So it's it's interesting, and I think I think me and my clients is a really good place to start. Is that with myself? You know, I I come from a strength and conditioning background, which I think gave me a lot of a lot of uh, context on what it's like to be in pursuit of anything. Like you, you kind of have to choose. Like, do I want sustainable progress over time and longevity, or do I want a lot of progress right now at the cost of longevity. Like that's just kind of the way that things go. So I got really comfortable with that process for myself. And in my own life, like I've given myself, you know, plenty of opportunities to lose my shit when it came to spirituality, psychedelics, sexuality, like whatever it may be. Like I've gotten I've gotten lost in things more often than I'd like to admit probably. So it's there's this thing where I in my own life, especially where I'm at now, and an advocate for certain things that are transformative or enlightening or or aid in self reflection and and you know the attempt at bettering yourself. But you know, I think that I like I I take responsibility for exploring that and creating as much context as I can, and then understanding with my clients that their journey is not my journey, and it shouldn't be. What I do is create as much context and understanding of of a diverse set of of principles and practices and ways of being. That way, when I look at someone else and their experience, their life, their goals, what they want to do, how where they're getting in their own way, or whatever whatever the case may be, and it's different for everybody, but also kind of the same, that I can then help them and support them in creating this this collage of of practices and ways of being in their own life that is well suited to them and their path. But it's not check all the boxes that I checked because I'm doing it right and do it like me. It's mm-hmm. let me help you 
see the way that you can do it like you at the best that you can. And, and by doing that, there's a couple things that are going to always come up. You're going to have to make some fucking choices about what kind of problems you want in your life. You're going to have to let some stuff go. You're going to have to create some space. You're going to have to understand where your boundaries of experience are and start to understand where those boundaries on experience came from and where to step out of those and create more experience and more context to give yourself more decision-making power in the moment, in the present. So you're just fueling the present by broadening your experience. So I, I definitely draw a hard line between like what my experience is and what the experience of my clients is. And I think the same thing happen, applies in our relationship, but it's different because there's this kind of overlap of, of consciousness, right? So you have me and you, and then you have our relationship. It's like three separate things. It's like the relationship is like a vehicle. It's like our car, <laughs> right? So there's, we have our own little meat vehicles that we drive around in our bodies. And then we have this car that we get into together. And whatever we do, to the, the way that we treat that car is going to dictate a lot of how that car treats us. You know, it's going to have its own, you know, if you don't change the oil for 27,000 miles, like it's going to, you're going to break down, you know, and things are going to be fucked up. And there's, you know, irreparable damage that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you leave a bunch of like McDonald's bags in the back seat, like it's going to smell like shit. (laughs) You know, you want to be able to go and like treat this thing that you're creating together with a lot of respect and bring the best version of yourself to it. But at the same time, that's our space. But you also have your life, your journey, your process. And the best that I can do for you is share myself in a way that is is supportive. And I would say sometimes critical, like in watching out for you and like being as much of an advocate as I can for you and your well-being without getting in your way. And that sometimes means like even make, letting you make your own mistakes and learning for yourself and then reserving the right to be wrong as well in this thing that we're creating together. Because I feel like the best I can do in our relationship is to give you the chance to learn for yourself who the best version of you is to bring to the relationship. And if I, if I micromanage that from the perspective of, oh, I have more experience than you, then I'm just getting in your way. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to... Even if it's on a low level it's going to turn out in resentment in some form or fashion. So there's enough, you know, support and space is like a, a challenging balance to, to find because I am invested in your life and you're invested in mine Yeah, at, at a level that's really more and more entwined. So you got to be mindful of that. And, and it is something I feel like we do well is like, is, is try and provide the space for each other. Mm-hmm. You no, know, cause I see, you right, like, and you're so hard charging and want to do all the things that all the time, all all the time. And the thing is, like, you see me being able to do, like, you know, change the world in your work, and I see you being really awesome right now. <laughs> like, you're great, you're fucking kick ass. Like, I really like being around you. You're so sweet. You like, you're really, really an incredible human being. And for some reason, you don't believe that all the time. Mm-hmm. And that blows my fucking mind because I'm like, what? So, <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's, it's how do I, how do I show you that, but without telling you that you don't need, I don't want to tell you you don't need to chase something or pursue something or or discover something for yourself. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's, it's so like, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed too that, you know, I'm such a helper and a fixer and something I'm working on in my own experience now that 
I see things for you. He's drink. What are you drinking? Kombucha. And- I know the ice is making noise. I'm sorry. He has to put ice on everything. He doesn't listen to my Ayurveda wisdom, you guys. God, this is me letting Connor live his life over here. No, just like kombucha and ice. Living his bad gut life. No, I mean that's a, that's an example. Like I see things for you, and I feel like oh. I know that this is not like maybe in his best interest or like this is something he's going to learn from. And I bite my tongue because I know that it's not about being right or wrong. It's about allowing you to go through your experience and learn whatever you need to learn on your time. We talked about this when we were walking back to the car at the farmer's market today. Like how many times we both don't say something because it's not really our place. And if we were constantly telling the other person our observations or what we thought, we would push each other over the edge. Yeah. And how is that beneficial? It's like, not, yeah. No, what can you learn? It's, it's already overwhelming. Like Life is already <laughs> fucking hard. And we don't need the person that we're in a relationship with to constantly poke and prod us until we're like, oh my God, I'm jumping. Like I can't do this anymore. It's it's about creating a safe space of support, seeing someone for who they are. I think we both see each other very clearly for who we are at our core. And that's a beautiful gift to have and ability to have, but not pressuring them and not allowing your own stuff to get in their way of their process. Yeah. Well, and that's... A, I mean, something I've spoken about a ton is, is not falling in love with someone's potential either. Yes. Right, because you can always see. I see this. This person can be so many things, and and if you give someone the space, is the best part about giving. Like, if you can have the boundaries to give someone some space, they'll show you what their priorities are and what their values are. Right, you may see something that that you want to see, and if you're trying to like, if you're poking them or or, or telling them what you want to see from them all the time, when well, they they might follow suit for a while, mm-hmm. but that, that has a shelf life. Mm-hmm. So if you can create the space, someone can can maybe prove you wrong in a good way. Mm-hmm. You might learn something that you didn't know. You know, if you if you're going there with so much ego that you think you know what's best for somebody, that that's the that's a recipe for disaster, and and a, and a complete lack of intimacy on top of that. Well, don't you think too? It's kind of what you were saying earlier. You come from you know being in a relationship to then being single for a couple of years and having a lot of freedom and doing whatever you want, and no one is really affected by any of your decisions except for you, and you're fine with like whatever happens, I'll deal with it. To coming into a relationship where we live together, I'm then affected and we're trying to build a life together and the decisions you make really do affect me. And I think that... Where was I going with that? Damn it. Such a good point. Now I lost my train of thought. Was it about space? Giving each other space. Oh, yes. Thank you. Good job. Um, Knowing that you just need a little space and a little time to work your way into being into a relationship. Because for me, I was fine. I was like overnight in a relationship. Oh, you want to live together? Cool. I got this. Like, this is fine. You were like, nah, like there's a lot happening. (laughs) What's going on? Um, My life is different now. Yeah. And that was a little bit of like tension between us. And I didn't understand. And we're different people and you have to show each other grace and patience and let someone work through their own stuff at their speed. Because the more I push you and force you, the more you're going to butt heads with me. And then neither of us ever get what we want out of something. Yeah, 100%. And one thing that, I mean, there was some considerations and even the, even the moving in together mm-hmm. process. Because I had a bunch of friends. I have a bunch of friends up here. So I was, it was going to be easy. Like I had a gym to go to. I had, a, I had things I was going to be doing. Like it wasn't like... 
total immersion in Kelly all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So that was that that made things and still makes things a lot easier. But again, it's engineered space because you can ride that excitement until you just end up like suffocating each other. And that's so sad because it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. That's a choice. Like you're choosing, but it's it's hard not to. It's like a, it's a dopamine, oxytocin, brain chemistry kick. And it can get it can get slippery for sure. So um, before I move on, we talked about Sultara. I want to talk a little bit more about that because we're planning our retreat. Spring 2020. With Mike Salemi, Connor and I will be hosting the Realness Retreat in Costa Rica. And I'm so excited to do this with you after our experience this year together. Everything we went through and the group that you brought together was so beautiful. And it's such an incredible place to really get into your stuff and feel very supported and seen. And the conversations that we had with people was so beautiful. And I think one of my favorite parts, I've talked about this before, is that you walk into a room with a bunch of people and you're like, you're really on this retreat with me? Like you, Some people you would never expect. And then the more you talk to them, you're like, oh my God, we're the same. And that is so incredible to come from all walks of life, from all over the country, to then be placed in one place and the common thread being your podcast and hearing you and and all of the incredible work you do. And then to sit there and be like, damn, so connected to strangers. Yeah, it's funny how that all works out. Mm -hmm. It's... In all of my experiences and going on retreats in, in the jungle and working with... With ayahuasca is everyone's there for a reason. And like everyone and you're in the you're you're in the Maloka, the ceremonial hut. Maloka is a way cooler word than hut. So cool. But um it's it's amazing in there. But then all, all, like everybody's in there together and, and you're obviously in your own experience, but there's it's like the people that you're next to, there's a reason. Like it's 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 like once you get in this little bubble of synchronicity, it gets really interesting for mm-hmm. sure. And it's a great, it's a, it's an amazing place, and it's got this. It's so, it's nice and raw at the same time, which I think is so rare because you sometimes it's like you don't want to. In my opinion, you don't want to go to a resort and do ayahuasca. Like you might want to, and you want to do mud baths and massages and all that, which they have massages, which is they're pretty yes. epic. But <laughs> um, but there's this thing where it's like it, it's it's there's the plants, the teachers, the healers. And then your process. And everything's set up and built around that. It's not a resort that has to, happens to have ayahuasca. It's mm-hmm. an ayahuasca center that happens to be really dope. <laughs> so dope. Best so, food ever too, by the amazing way. Amazing food that's, again, built around the experience. Yes. The timing, what's in it. Like I, for As far as ayahuasca protocol goes, like you're pretty strict with your nutrition and they do everything they possibly can to make it as delicious and nutritious. Mm-hmm. For everything you want to do. And yeah. then a good gym to do some light movement in if you want to do that. The beaches are really cool. You know, we get out there and paint our the bodies. Monkeys. The monkeys are very loud and fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the body painting is so fun. If you guys obviously see our Instagrams, you've seen us in body paint. And that was one of the best ways to, to end the retreat. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So if you guys want to join us or get in more information, you can go to getTherealness.com slash realness-retreat. Yeah. And if you just go to getTherealness.com, you'll see the yeah, Realness Retreat tab it. up there. And any questions you have, feel free to message us anytime. We are happy to talk about it. We love it. And we're excited to create that for you. Yeah. And one of the things that is important to note, I think, is, is I get on a call with everybody that's going to that is interested in going to the retreat. So we know that it's, you know, it feels right, it feels good. Any details you need to know, any questions you have, 
there's a lot of first timers that go. It's a really, it's a really cool experience. Yeah. And it does fill up quickly because there's very, very, very limited spots. So if you guys are interested, even if you're not sure, but you want to learn more, just get in there, mm-hmm. send your info, get on a call um, because that's really important to get done now. Yeah. So yeah. I think we have like what, 30 people signed up on the, on the, on the way, on the mailing list already. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, yeah, for 20 spots, we're kind of, we're kind of cruising. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so that is that, Soltara. Um, love sharing that with everyone. I want to, we have a ton of listener questions to get to, and I don't want this to be a seven hour podcast, but I think there are some really important things to talk through. And before we talked about the retreat, we were getting into space and the final frontier. <laughs> what is that from? Just Star space. Trek? I don't know. I think that's what it is. I don't know shit about shit, but I think so. Um, so a woman that you and I are both in love with is... Her name is Esther Perel. And she is the queen. We listen to her podcast. Where do we begin? We listen to her books. We listen to anything she does at all times. I like to listen to her sleeping. Connor is creepy. But that's premium. That's premium content. You have to sign up on her <laughs> on her mailing list to just get her breathing sounds. Subscribers at night. only. Oh my god! But um, so we've we've just been totally immersed. But I am re-reading slash listening to this time mating in captivity. And you and I have talked a lot about space. And you were saying that there's like this third entity in the relationship. There's you, me, and the relationship. And in order to continue to have passion and desire, space is so important. And what do you always say? Fire needs air. Right. And where did you get that? Esther Perel. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) So um, I want to talk through this concept because I think that you you and I are a year apart. People our age, this is something that... Well, I'm sure every age, but I can only speak for people our age because that's all I know. We experience this in a lot of ways where there is such massive codependency and there is such a need for validation and attention and being completed by someone else, not feeling whole, not feeling worthy. And if you're not with me, who are you with? You're not with me, then that means I'm a failure and I suck and I'm not good enough. And it's just like this whole monkey mind thing that happens. So there's this quote that... I'm going to say from the book, and I want to talk about this. So passion in a relationship is commensurate with the amount of uncertainty you can tolerate. Say that one more time. Passion in a relationship is commensurate with the amount of uncertainty you can tolerate. Boom. Uncertainty and space are basically the same thing. Sometimes, yeah. I think I think space fits in the uncertainty category yes, with a lot of uncertainty is like the umbrella. Yeah. So this is something I am learning for the first time <laughs> to not only comprehend but to implement into our relationship because I have been codependent as fuck and needy and give me all the attention and if you're not with me who are you with what are you doing? So jealous. Your eyes and, just got so crazy. I know. That's how I used to be. <laughs> so You're welcome. I'm not like, like that crazy anymore. girlfriend meme on me. Nah. <laughs> um, and I'm seeing the sort of benefit of having space and having our own lives and having freedom and allowing each other to go. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Just keep going. You're so cute. <laughs> go through this experience and learn. And 
how that affects the passion. Because this goes back to our Madonna horror conversation that we had. There's so much that weaves into this. It's like, if we don't have space, then you see me as this person. And how can I be the girl that you want to fuck? The girlfriend that you can... Maybe not objectify is the right word, but you you see me, you objectify (laughs) me, you want to have sex with me because you think I'm hot. Not just the woman that you want to marry and have children with and that you build a home with. Yeah. So I would love your thoughts on how that all sort of intertwines and what we're doing now in our relationship knowing that. Well, I think a lot of this has to do with states of arousal. And I think that certainty is kind of an arousal killer in a lot of ways. Like if you know, if you walk into a, cir- a circumstance, any anything, and you know how it's going to go, right? Great example. Just came up with this. Makes a ton of sense. Watch a uh, scary movie. Like It. Like the new It movie. First time you watch it, you probably have some jumps and some like, ooh, right? Second time you watch it, say you watch it like five times back to back. Second time you watch it, it's like, Oh, you know it's coming, but it's kind of still exciting. And third time, you're like, uh, and and the fifth time, you're like, shut the fuck up. Like, this is not scary anymore, right? You're losing... It's dampening your state of arousal because there's certainty in something something that thrives on an aroused state to be good, right? Sex is like that a lot of times. Like, you want some consistency and some variables. And I think it, it... brings an arousal state. I think that's why people... Like, for example, this is another thing that I've, I've noticed is, is more and more guys talk about cucking, like cuckolding, which is like wanting your partner to fuck someone else, either with you in the room or videos or descriptions or pictures or whatever, right? And happens a lot. It's like more common than anybody wants to think about. Hmm. And uh, that, I feel, is an example of an arousal state. That's a primitive arousal state. Like if your partner is sleeping with someone else, like there's a there's an evolutionary arousal state that goes along with that. And you see any like jealous guy, you know, that whole typical behavior and that arousal is being diverted into, into a sexual arousal, right? So maybe wires are crossed. Or maybe there's an experience there that made that the case, but it, it happens a lot. Enough to where it's not a fluke. Mm-hmm. So... I think when you have the uh, variability of space, then it allows you to be curious and be in a state of wonder and use your imagination and get into a place where you may come up with something new because that person's not around and maybe you're forced to be creative and thinking about this person or like if they were here, what would I do? And it, it gets you into a place of novelty and arousal and in a way that can then when you come back together be used. For example, like, you know, you got all your new toys, you got your womanizer that you talk about. My plus one, <laughs> holla, they sent us so many goodies. Yeah, the, the plus one stuff is really, really cool. Check it's very out, like, Yeah, I like the colors too and the yeah, texture. Very Anyways, cool. So, like, for example, when I'm not around and you're like, I know that you got one out, you know, you went for it. You, 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 you know, fiddled the bean a little bit. <laughs> My, there's like a lot of questions there. It's like, I'm not jealous about that. I mean, mm-hmm. I know some people who would be like, oh, like that's where you like, you know, and I'm like, well, what was she thinking about? Was it me? Or was it somebody else? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
<laughs> right? Mm. It's like, I just go down the rabbit hole and it's like, there's a lot of unknowns there. And I don't even want, I don't even care about the answer. The answer is not important. What's important is that I don't know. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Interesting. And it's like, yeah, it's funny. It's yeah. fun and, and interesting and curious. And it's like, mm. well, what was going on? And then you can just like almost get yourself riled up. I think that's why uh, a lot of people will like to go out with a partner. This is a pretty normal thing too. And watch them talk to another girl from like across or another girl, another guy from across the bar, which is jealousy, which is a state of arousal, which then can come when you come back together. And there's of course boundaries and agreements and you're kind of like using these other people, which is fine because it's a bar and that's yeah. what they're for. Um, so from there, you can use that state of arousal and bring it back into your relationship. Not that everyone needs to do that, but it's a thing. Right, it's it's yeah. something. It's it's it works, and with appropriate, and that's why boundaries are so important because you have like these boundaries, and then you have boundaries around your space, and you can create your space. And when it's a, a, a respected and appreciated, there is some curiosity and some wonder that goes along with that, which, in my opinion, is you know brings a state of arousal. So I was telling you earlier today that I was listening to Esther in my whole drive home, and she brought up this concept of being able to basically differentiate your partner. So there's like the person that you lust after and that you desire and the person that you are creating a home with and a life with. And when you're able to see them almost as two different people, that is where the desire is. That's the space. And I started laughing in the car by myself because I was like, God damn you, Esther, I'm already doing this. And I didn't even know it. I We work out at the same gym sometimes, Deuce, here in Venice. And I was working out with Emily and... I saw you walk by and I was like, okay, I know he knows I'm here because I told him I was going to be here. And he didn't say anything to me. He didn't come up. He didn't say hi from afar. Like, what the hell? And I was kind of like, well, shit. And then I realized I was just staring at you and I was like, God, he's so hot. <laughs> and I was just like watching you walk and you walked to your car and you were doing your thing and you were, I think you're in like a cutoff like t-shirt and... I was super bro. You were so bro so with your bro. backwards hat, which you know melts me. And so I was just like sitting there like totally objectifying you like the hot guy at the gym. And I was like, damn, he's hot. And I realized that that is my way of separating the two. You're the most amazing partner. You cook, you clean, you make the bed. Like you take such good care of me. You're emotionally available. I'm not. I'm not a stay-at-home mom. No, I but just you, do those things sometimes. Yes, but you do all these <laughs> wonderful things. But that and that makes me want to have sex with you sometimes. But I want to be able to think of you as like the hot guy that I want to have sex with. And it's fun to be able to like separate those two and to be able to have that space where I almost feel like you're ignoring me, which makes me want you more. Yeah. I was like, damn, she's on to something. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I only came up... I came up to the gym because I told you I was going to be there right, at that time. Right. It was, you were the re- I wouldn't have been there if you weren't there. I know. Yeah. But, but it was funny. It's, it is funny. It is a contradiction. Yeah. It's like that subtle thing of like just being ignored a little bit Made me want you. Well, it wasn't like I was ignoring you. Like I was respecting your space. Exactly. Like you, I walked in and I would have normally, if you were like standing around, I would have come and said hi, but you were doing something. And, and I've been a trainer for, I was in the, like I said, I was in that world for a long time. So if someone like came up and interrupted a session, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And I, I have good boundaries in the gym. Like if there's a class going on or something like that, I always respect that. And, and the same goes for you. Like there's no exception. It's like if you guys are doing your thing, like, I'm not so I'm not so important that I need to come interrupt your set to right. like since we were just together an bar, hour before. Give me some affection, okay? <laughs> like I need it before I go do my workout. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. So it's like it's about that that's a perfect example in a, under a microscope of like space. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just, like you're doing your thing. Like do yeah. it. 
It's just little things like that that I think I said earlier, you know, I feel like we're creating a great foundation for our relationship in the future by jumping on this stuff right now and knowing that these are the things that plague so many relationships. How can we give each other the space to feel desire towards each other mm-hmm. and also have our own space to like do our own shit? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where her. You know the way the way you pattern these interactions and things like that in the beginning, if you can do a good job and and do the best you can, right, to pattern these, the way you have these conversations, the way you behave around each other, that way there's not in in a way that's sustainable, knowing that honeymoon phase can end, life can get can get kind of stagnant, and if you are totally enmeshed, that's only going to become worse. Can you set yourself up for success if it's a if it's a relationship that's of high importance to you? Mm-hmm. Now that go, goes out the window if you're trying to like date somebody for a month and like you know milk it for all it's worth, and yeah. that's like the complete opposite that you would want to do. Yeah. It's about where you're at with relationships and partnership and what you what your intention is with a, with that relationship. And you can learn a lot in both ways. But I think if you want to create something that's that has sustainability, you kind of choose, even though it may be the harder thing to do in the whenever you're totally kind of enraptured with each other. It, in the long term, you're going to end up having a much higher compatibility and and draw towards one another. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you know it's simple things like doing something different. And I've talked about this on your show. I'm not like the girl that runs around in lingerie by any means, but even the the pajama set that I walked out in today that was brand new, and you noticed it and you asked me about it. And I purposely bought that because I was like, okay, I need something new to walk around the house in. That's like (laughs) kind of hot, but kind of cute. That's distracting, but not like totally crazy. And it was just like this simple, like broad underwear. It's not even a thing. But you said something and then we had sex after and I was like, (laughs) mission accomplished. Like I purposely do that because I never used to do that before. And I was so lazy and I would walk around in oversized sweats and I didn't care what I look like. And I put very little effort in. I'm like, why don't you want to have sex with me? Why don't you desire me? It's like, because I'm not putting effort in and I don't want to sleep with me. Why are you going to want to sleep with me? Yeah. So little things like that, I think make such a difference. And guys are so visual and so primal in that way. And I feel like you respond to that stuff. I know that's a thing for you. So I'm like, okay, how can I, knowing that's what he likes, and it's something that makes me feel really good and super sexy. Mm-hmm. Implement that into our lives. It's so easy. Yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of... It's just awareness at the end of the day. It's mm-hmm. like, can I be aware of this? Cool. What can I do about it? Cool. Mm-hmm. Do that. And you can and you have to be like not too afraid to like kind of fuck it up sometimes and totally. like completely blow it. Yeah. But you learn. Yeah. It's okay. This takes me perfectly into the next thing. The importance of doing new and different things together and having adventures. And the reason that I brought this up is because the perfect example for me was me skateboarding on July 4th. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I skateboarded for the first time in my whole life. Technically, it was a longboard, but okay. I longboarded on the Strand in Manhattan Beach. Any of you that have ever been there on July 4th know that that is an absolute shit show. And you have to navigate basically like Disneyland crowds in a 10-foot span. And I was so scared. And at first, I was like, almost throwing a tantrum, like freaking out, like so scared. And then I started getting the hang of it. I was like, okay, I'm not eating shit. I'm kind of doing this. And then I had so much fun with you. It was the most magical experience ever. 
Totally out of my comfort zone. I sent the video to my mom and my brother and they were like, what in the fuck? Like, never thought in a million years you would be on a skateboard. So, I think that... And that was really cool for you to see me do that. And you commented on that later on. Little things like that that get you out of the comfort zone that show your partner who you are in a different light or in a different way, I think can carry so much weight in a relationship. And I would love your thoughts on that, the importance of doing that and why that has to be a priority. Well, I think the way... That's, that, was, that example was really funny because you didn't really want to do it. Because well, I think about think about because I didn't was. want to look stupid, and everyone well, and else was, in our group say, was skateboarding, and I was the only one that was, didn't know out how. Of six of us, you were the only one that didn't know how to how to, how to skateboard and longboard. Yeah, right. And we were all cruising, mm-hmm. and of course, everybody was super chill and like oh, they were and, and like we like waited on you when you were going slow and stuff. But there mm-hmm. was a time where before we actually went anywhere, like I like took you over and like gave you like a lesson. Yeah, because I know I, I I was so bad at riding skateboards, and I was like the fat little. Preteen that I was, and I would when I when you know when you're 200 pounds and like 12 years old and you hit the ground like every single ounce of that 200 pounds hits the ground mm. really hard. So I just gave up on it, and then I bought a longboard when I was 30. I didn't skateboard till I was 30 years old, and I bought a longboard because they're easier and they don't like they don't roll out from underneath you. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen anybody like eat shit on a skateboard that oh, they yeah. know what they're doing. Like it basically rolls out from underneath yes. them, and that's you know. But a longboard has kind of cushier wheels and it rides a little slower. So I knew you could do it. It was, it was one of those things where I knew I had faith in you to be able to do it. You just needed to learn how. And I knew that I had faith, I had faith in you to do it. And I knew that if you just like gave it a shot, you would have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And you would feel good about doing it. Yeah. And you might fall down and you might fucking break your arm. Like who knows? There was risk associated. I mean, you were on a board for the first time in flip-flops carrying uh, a, a bag. bag. <laughs> like I had two bags, you had one bag. Yeah. And um, it was super fun to watch. And once you got excited, it, went, it was funny because I kind of had to nudge you to do it. But once you started being able to do it, like you were so excited. And I knew you were. And I think one of the things about doing new things together is like you can easily throw somebody in over their head, right? And that can, it can be nothing but embarrassing. And that's not cool. Mm-mm. That's like actually really uncool yeah. in a lot of ways. And that will Counterproductive. happen. I mean, that happens on accident. <laughs> but if it's like a pattern of like, hey, come like be way worse than me in everything that we do. Not fucking all right. But in this situation, it's like, I know you can fucking do this. Like, it's not that hard. You know, it's, it's objectively not that hard because I had the same feeling about it a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so, so getting you to move around and it was just, you know, there was, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And there was an appropriate amount of risk and confidence on my end and in clarity that you would have a good time doing it. So we made it happen. And I think that's the common thread with a lot of these things is one, you can tell a lot about somebody, but when you put them in a situation where they're the worst at something, mm-hmm. like can they keep it, you know, because that's going to happen in life. So that's a, that's a good indicator of how you want your partner to react to situations where they're faced with, you know, embarrassment. And that's huge. So... There's also something fun about teaching somebody something, yes. right? Like you teach me volleyball, mm-hmm. which I'm not great at. You're much better than I ever thought you would be. Yay. Yeah. But uh, it's fun. And it's fun. Like you're obviously an elite level volleyball player. Or I guess you were. I don't know. I still consider you now elite I'm level. Now I'm questionable. Thank you, baby. <laughs> you have elite capacity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it's fun. And it's like that in that situation, like I go into that knowing I don't need to be insecure about my volleyball skills. Like I played a lot in college with like my buddies and we had a good time doing it, but like I don't have the same skill level you do. So I look at it and like I appreciate that you have those skills. And instead of being insecure about it, like if we played two of your friends from like back in the day, 
we would get fucking owned and I would lose badly and it would be really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But I'd be like, well, I didn't play volleyball in college. Sorry, guys. Like, yeah. fuck, I was doing other shit. You want to go play football? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's one of those things where just pushing outside of what you're comfortable with is so fun. But I think we are so generally so um, almost addicted to validation of like only see the things that I'm good at because if you see me stuck at something, like I'm not going to be attractive to you. And the fucked up thing is a lot of times it's the case. With a lot of women, that's the case. It's like, oh, that's not attractive. I remember my fucking ex-girlfriend said that to me one time. It's like, oh, it's not attractive when you like can't handle like Molly or some drug or something. And I was like, is that really a a criteria that you're weighing our relationship on is my ability to handle like... Schedule one drugs. Like, what are we talking about here? This is fucking stupid. But it was like, it hurt my feelings. I just didn't have a lot of experience with that substance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like, I'm I'm like trying to like, you know, explore and have a good time. And then I'm being shamed for not being good enough at it. Mm -hmm. So there's ways to approach that. And and that can be sometimes, it can be something like going to a music festival that's a little bit outside your comfort zone. But I think as if you're leading that charge, if it's your area where you're more comfortable... And sometimes if it's if it's two of you guys that are both equally as uncomfortable, it's nice because you're like in it together. But if somebody's leading the charge, you need to understand that if it's your thing, you're responsible for that other person in a way. And them having a, a positive experience with something that's outside of their comfort zone and having empathy for that and being able to communicate that and and you know, even like safe words in certain situations are important. So but I think that they're again that almost circles back to arousal in a way where it's like, it's just something new. And if you can create a new experience together, a new novel experience together and create the process of learning how to do that and communicate that and, and share that desire, that's a, that's a positive feedback cycle for your relationship. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And I love that you circled back on that. That's so good. Okay. So before we get into listener questions, because we have some really good ones that our peeps sent in, let's talk about non-toxic fragrance, babe. What's that? Let me tell you. Okay. I'm all ears. You know that amazing white bottle with the blue flower on it that I spray and it makes me smell so good? Clorox? <laughs> Definitely not Clorox. This is like the opposite of Clorox. Oh, really? This is called Fleur. <laughs> Fleur is spelled P-H-L-U-R. Oh, you know stuff, about Fleur. We sent it to your mom. Instantly turned on without even any control over my physical body. It's very weird that I just said... Your mom, you're talking about that, but yes, totally mom, separate. Mom, don't wear this around me, please. <laughs> the side of me that, yeah, it'll get real Freudian in here. Your mom <laughs> loves Fleur, by the way. She, she does. She's so cute. She even busted it out when we were driving with her in Dallas, her little sample set. She pulled it out. She's like, this is the one that you said is your favorite. And I said, yes, it is, Robin. Yeah. Sandara is my favorite scent, in case you were wondering. She's going to be so excited that you brought her up on the I podcast. <laughs> hey, mom, hey. She's my new bestie. I love Fleur. I love the concept behind their company, which is transparency. And they make the most effective, efficient, beautiful products on the market. Not only do they have fragrances, they have candles, they have body washes. They've really kind of run the whole gamut. And the founders of this company have become incredible mentors and friends of mine. And I really believe in everything they're doing because when you look at the non-toxic space, it can get a little muddied. And there's a lot of lack of transparency. And what Cynthia and Erica, Eric have done is they have been very upfront about what they're doing. And their whole core goal is to take care of people and make sure that no one is being harmed by the products that they put on their body. Because so many of us in this community, as you know, babe, deal with chronic illness. And it's something that can disrupt your hormones and make you very sick and inflammation and 
headaches and, and all of this chronic illness is exacerbated from toxic products. So I love that Fleur has totally changed the game and we're huge fans of theirs in this house. Yeah, I like them a lot. I guess probably quit wearing Axe body spray, huh? <laughs> yeah, no more Axe for you. Damn it. Um, if you guys want to get Fleur... The commercials get me every time. You can head to kellytenant.com slash shop. Check out Fleur. Use the code KellyT for 20% off all of their products, including the sample fragrance kit that Robin loves so much. All right, let's get to some questions. So this woman has not dated in 18 months. She's been focusing on her own personal growth, but she feels clear now. She's done a lot of work and she's ready to date, but no one is pursuing her. And she had issues with self-worth and self-rejection. And she had a very emotionally unavailable father. And she says that the feedback she's getting now is that she's scaring people. And she wants to be in her feminine because she's been in her masculine and she's been the aggressor. She doesn't want to be the aggressor anymore. So her question is, how does she get guys to pursue her and get back into dating after a year and a half and wants to know what you think the issue is? Uh, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. A lot of assumptions are going to be made in this yes. next uh, little bit. Um, so I'm going to try and like rephrase this in a way that makes sense to me. So she had an emotionally unavailable father, pretty standard. She's super type A, sounds yes. like. Uh, 28, you said? She's around that, yeah. Okay, so late 20s. Um, and she's trying to be pursued, doesn't want to be the aggressor. Is that what you said? Yes. It's a very strong word. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it sounds like she's scaring people. <laughs> Watch out, lady, you're scaring <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay, I had to get I could not quote Billy Madison. I know she's listening right now, and I just want you to know we love you, sister. Yeah, I'm doing my best here. Uh, so the thing about it is, it's like... <laughs> You can be aggressive about not trying to be the aggressor and it just makes you feel like you just end up or you're like trying really hard to not do a thing that feels very natural to you and then you just come off really confused or almost feeling like um, uh, like there's not a lot of substance there. Mm-hmm. Which isn't fair because there likely is, but you're having to communicate in a way that is completely foreign to you. Mm. So it's kind of like that first time you start trying to speak Spanish after taking like, you know, Spanish 101. It's like, it's kind of clunky and weird. And I think that you may be deep in the belief system that you want to be pursued, but that's even kind of a type A way of going about it. Are you, are you creating enough space? And I think one thing... Let me take that, walk that back for a second. And say, I think a lot of th- times it happens like, okay, I want to be pursued. So all I have to do is exist and people should be attracted to me. Mm. Never the case. If you're a guy, and Matthew Hussey talks about this a ton. And he's a, if you just go watch some of his stuff about, he's, and he co- coaches exclusively women on things like this. You have to make the first move. Women, 98% of the time need to make the first move. Does that mean they have to go talk to somebody that they don't know? No. But there needs to be some kind of indicator that you want someone to pursue you. Mm. Right? That may be making eye contact twice. Smiling. The great example is at a bar. Right? The guy walks to the bar. You go to the bar. Stand four feet away. Or one person over. See if he notices that you're there. Does he notice that you're there? Does he look at you? Look back at him. Don't maybe don't be creepy, but like, 
be bashful, do things like that that are like, okay, if this guy at this point doesn't choose to come talk to me, you haven't necessarily like broken the ice, but you've given enough. To, let's call it three indicators. If you <laughs> see somebody that you want to approach you, give up three indicators. Because also at the same time, you know what women are saying about guys? We're fucking pigs. All we want is sex. We're too aggressive. Like we're, a lot of dudes, are like it's like I'm not like you that. Guys, yeah. I don't want to fucking be perceived. I don't. The last thing any guy wants to be perceived of right now in the world is creepy. Yeah, and all guys are scared now. They're like, what do we do? And it's not. I'm not by no means. I'm by no means victimizing. No white dudes, right? Like that's not what we're out here to do. But I'm saying that is is it makes you nervous, right? And this can happen fucking anywhere. Gym, grocery store, whatever. You do the same rules apply. If you want someone to come and speak to you, they need to have like the runway lights lit. We're not that complex of creatures when it comes to this stuff, especially when we think about mating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we're just one track blind. So can you one create an environment where someone is maybe excited to come talk to you? But they're not. There's not a doubt that you want that they that you want them to come speak to you. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer. Yeah. And from there, when it comes to actual communication, like, all oh, right, so you had an emotion, emotionally unavailable dad. That probably doesn't need to come up in the first conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know the fact that you haven't dated for eighteen months because you were working on yourself. Maybe. Maybe not. Is it, how are you communicating that? Right. Is it? I was so fed up with guys, so I quit dating for eighteen months. And this guy's like, Jesus Christ, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a hard, that's scary. It's like, well, okay. Like, what is that? What is that displaying? And it, I'm not, I'm not ever suggesting someone be um, inauthentic, but there's a way to communicate things that is, is open for question and creates a dialogue. And sometimes if someone takes a year and a half off of dating to work on themselves, you carry back into dating a level of self-righteousness that is really hard to have a conversation with and is kind of intimidating, mm-hmm. right? So you look at this and like, well, this... And even if saying that, like I, was, I haven't dated for a year and a half, I was working on myself, like that's kind of, for a lot of guys, intimidating, which is probably good for you because then there's a level of discernment and you have a standard for the type of guy that you want to be around, mm-hmm. which also means there's going to be less fucking guys. Mm-hmm. You just cut out 98% of the population by doing self-work. Sucks, but that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. So you need to be in environments that are energetically in alignment with the type of guy that you want to meet and be patient. And then also, if you have needs and just want to have a good time, like you're in your 20s, sweetheart. Like you can have a good time and it doesn't have to be everything. You know, you can go out and create some context, create some exploration. Like if you felt the need to take a year and a half off of dating, you may not be super tuned, attuned to your sexual needs, like quirks, kinks. Like, why don't you take a, an extra year and just explore and then work on setting healthy boundaries with your sexuality and what you'll accept and asking for what you want and noticing when you feel respected and appreciated and how that even feels and when you don't, because you're going to find out both. The only mm-hmm. way you learn is to be a context. So, a lot of times, you take this time off, you carry all the baggage from the beginning, you know, the reason that you took the time off into the time after that, and you end up just recreating the same shit in a different flavor. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, there's a lot that can be, I mean, this is again a lot of assumptions, but. You know, if you don't, if you don't have a lot of patterning for communicating your needs with with a with a man in like your first, you know, intimate male relationship with with your father, and not you know platonically intimate or whatever familial <laughs> intimacy that got weird, but um, but I think that you know, there's obviously some things that you need to learn through communication and through uh, 
explore exploration and I, and and it doesn't feel like and I don't know what her intention is here, but just based on the criteria that she laid out and why she chose to share that information doesn't feel like she's in a phase for creating sustainable partnership. It feels like this dating phase mm-hmm. and I, I kind of break it down into exploration, dating, and partnership, like the three kind of phases of of meeting and um it feels like dating would be really appropriate like a few weeks month of like spending time with someone getting to know someone but not not trying to force that and knowing that you're going to carry some of those type a tendencies into relationships not trying to force that to be what you need or what you believe that the universe is trying to provide for you like just letting it be what it is and creating the space learning how to communicate your needs learning what it means to feel respected and disrespected appreciated admired in all these different types of 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 experiences without judgment to create context and i think from there you get a really robust um, understanding of what it means to create partnership down the road. High five. Very was, nice. Was that good? That was so good. <laughs> Borat approves. Wow. All okay. right. The next. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> I don't know why that came to me. Anyways, um, love that answer. And thank you for that question. Next one. I've. This is not a question. This is a topic you and I are going to discuss. I've never had an orgasm during sex ever. But I learned the importance of asking for what I want and being really clear after I dated a guy who basically made me feel like it was my fault that I wasn't. According to him, there was no woman in the world who didn't orgasm during sex. First of all, only 18% of women can have an orgasm just from sex. There's no woman that guy's ever dated that hasn't faked an orgasm during sex. Preach. 100%. Preach. Well, besides this person. Yes. <laughs> so, I have talked about this before a little bit, but I have never before, we are manifesting this to happen, so I want to choose my words wisely, never in my past um, had an orgasm just from sex. There always has to be some other stimulation. So anyone listening to this, if you are a guy or a girl, please understand this because no one tells us this. Only 18% of women can come just from penetration. So that being said, don't fucking shame your partner and don't shame yourself because there is no space for that. And this is why people feel bad like they are failing and doing something wrong. Whether you're a guy who can't get your girl off with your dick or you're a girl who is in sex and having fun but can never have an orgasm, it's okay. You're Mm -hmm. not doing anything wrong. Yeah. And there's maybe some things you could do better. Yes. One, I think acknowledging that, like, okay, well, I, it's like even saying that out loud. Like, if you're out there and you've never had an orgasm from just penetration alone, right? Just say it right now. Say, I've never had an orgasm from penetration alone. Just say it out loud. Speak your truth, girl. And then DM us. I want to show everyone how many people this happens to. It'll feel good to say it because what will happen is you'll start to realize all the reasons that you've told yourself that you can't do that. Right? And the same thing with guys. If you come too fast, that's a big thing. Girls that can't get off penetration alone and guys that come too fast. It's the same. And those things, when you get those things together, you get a Venn diagram of fucking nonsense. And it's really, it can be really challenging, but it's like, okay, well, that's where you're at. Objectively. Yeah. That's where we're at. For me, in this relationship in particular, but most of the time, if it's penetration only sex, like we're just like, that's where we go. Like there's very little foreplay. It's like, go to town. The goal isn't for you to have an orgasm. 
I'm it's reliable that I'm gonna have one most right. of the time. Um, <laughs> so that's gonna happen. Yep. But it's like it's more like that's like a spontaneous fun. Quick, like, like, like afternoon quickie. Afternoon, or like even if it's like late and it's like kind of lazy, it's just like a fun connection piece or whatever. Or just like, a, you know, you're feeling riled up and that's that's hot. That's cool. It's fun. Totally. It's different than when the intention is for both of us to have a climax experience, mm-hmm. right? And it's different if we want to have them at the same time. Like mm-hmm. there's all kinds of different ways to go about doing it, but it's there's different there's different styles and flavors of, of, of the way you want to go about doing that. And I think, that, yeah, it's... That guy's behavior is like the pinnacle of like, douchebaggery literally and it's just not like it just he did, like what i don't know why he feels that like he would even have any any a place to say that that seems very odd to me like i don't know why you know maybe there's a feeling of like being insecure about it which i totally understand but not not that was that, that that's a strange thing to mm-hmm. say in my opinion i want to add to this um too one of the best things that you ever did for me was what did you say? I told you to take ownership of your own orgasm. Yes. So I think as women, we're so scared. Like <laughs> if the guy can't get us off with his dick, with his fingers, with his mouth, like we can't do it. That and then we're done. And there's something wrong with us. And it's not as enjoyable, whatever the case. And there's like embarrassment and all this stuff. You said that to me. At first I was confused. And then I did that. And now I totally understand. Well, I said that when it was like a new relationship where it's like, yeah. I don't even know what you like that much. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just doing the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have like the best sex I can have based on the information that I have. Mm-hmm. And you haven't told me anything. You haven't, you had never said like, I don't come from sex alone. And like, this is what it takes to get me off. And I, re- it, and also like, I've had it happen where like, that's the case. And it's not important for her to come every time. Right. And maybe that's cool. Maybe it's like, but you know, it's like one out of every three, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to like make that happen and that becomes the priority. And sometimes it's, it's not the priority and it's like the guy's part, you know, we get, we take turns and because mm-hmm. there's a give, there's a take, right? It's like, this one's kind of about me. Mm-hmm. This is like Connor time. This is yeah. Kelly time. Yeah. I think if you're in a relationship and I think one of the things that's really great, if you can do this and this is a bold move, is like, is having, you know, if you're dating a guy and that's the case, he should be able to get you off without having sex. And with nothing in return. That's a great way to figure out how to make you come. Mm-hmm. Is no no penetration. He's keeping his fucking shorts on. You know, maybe D-shirt just to get the, you know. Yeah. Set, the juice is really set, flowing. Yeah, set the body free a little bit. You know, you, want, you don't want to get any stains on the T-shirt. But um, I think it's a great practice. I think yeah. it's a great practice. And honestly, if you did that with even a guy you're like casually dating... Or somebody say you were you were gonna hook up with somebody for the first time, and your goal was for the like as a female to like or whichever way you want to go about it, like whoever's doing it, but like getting you to come without having sex first. Mm-hmm. There's a book called She Comes First, and you can just carry a few copies of that around and hand them out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I used to do that when I dated. Like, yeah, I I did not have sex with people early on. I would definitely like m- make them wait or you know yeah. wait it out. And that was always a thing when I was yeah. younger. And I mean, we didn't do that because we had sex the second time resist. we hung out. You couldn't resist. I couldn't this resist. Con keys. <laughs> what? You can't call me that. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point and something to definitely explore. And also, yeah, if somebody, if somebody, if some dude comes right and he's like, he's like, not, obviously not going to like take care of you. Just start taking care of yourself. Yes. If he's not going to be considerate, you don't have to be considerate of him. Just be loud, noisy, and start talking about. I don't know whoever you're jerking off to over there. 
Like, oh, Kendrick Lamar. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Why is that the person who came to your mind right now? I don't know. Do we need to have a conversation later? <laughs> if you, just, uh, if you do that, if all of a sudden like the guy comes and he's not going to finish you off and you just like, you start rubbing one out to Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> that'd be fucking hysterical. You can't tell me that wouldn't be funny. No, it'd be amazing. Like, hey, uh, just since you're going to go to sleep, I'm just going to have, I'm going to have a really loud orgasm and scream Kendrick Lamar a bunch of time. <laughs> like, Kendrick, 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 Kendrick. <laughs> It's cool. He has platinum rec- records and stuff. Probably has a huge dick. <laughs> you are absurd. It'd be hilarious. Do oh that. I want someone to do that. I want to be like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and rub one out to Kendrick Lamar because I'm sure his dick is way bigger than yours. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I got to wrangle you back in on ceremony wellness. This is not the realness. Okay. This question is for me. What topic do I still find hard to talk about with you? I should probably not talk here. How do I talk with you about your little boy? You just, and I should preface this with Connor doesn't have a child. <laughs> Spiritual talk can get really weird. Connor doesn't have a child, but this is like his inner child. And your what is the boy. best way for me to call you out without bringing out your big dick energy? <laughs> this is definitely one of your you listeners, re- by the way. Will you reread the questions again. <laughs> What topic do I still find hard to talk to you about? Okay, well, just how about this? We'll, okay, do, one we'll do one at a time because yeah. you can't handle yourself. What topic do you still, <laughs> do you have trouble talking about? This is interesting because I I've had this written in a note for days, and I still don't know what answer I have for this because, and maybe you can help me with this. I feel like I have talked to you about everything. Like we have gone there. We have talked about sex. We have talked about past relationships, hard things I've been through that I'm not going to disclose here. Talked about, you know... You know what it is? What? It's changing your fucking plans. Yeah, that's... So <laughs> God damn it. It's like, oh, hey, we're going to do this different than you plan on doing it. And it's like... You just have to like... Uh, I can I'm, like, I can like watch it. It's full body contraction. It's like you're having a seizure. <laughs> like, did you develop epilepsy all of a sudden? But no. That's it. Yeah. So here's the thing, guys. If you've been listening to my show long enough, I think you know me because I'm pretty fucking honest. I am and I have been incredibly controlling and set in my ways. Mm -hmm. And a long time ago, young Kelly set out on a path. She created this path and anything that didn't fit was gone. And I tried my hardest to make everything work so that I could have my plan the way I wanted it. And what I have learned this year specifically is that my plan is not going according to plan. (laughs) And I have to relinquish control. And my life is actually so much more amazing and fulfilling and exciting and fun and real than I ever thought was imaginable. This is not the life that I was raised to really be in. But with that means I am really mourning this loss of what I thought my life was going to be. And it's really hard, especially because you don't fit in my plans. You have helped me create bigger, better plans, 
but I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that it's not what I thought it was going to be. And it looks different. And I'm not married and I don't have kids and we don't have a house. And that's really hard for me to swallow. Even though we've been together for five months. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though we're moving faster than most people ever would. The speed of light. Yeah. So that's really hard to talk to you about because it's hard for me to deal with. It's also hard to bring it up with you because I don't want you to feel like you've done something wrong or you don't fit or this is bad or I'm upset with you. Though I do end up projecting my stuff on you often because of this, because I have so much fear around losing control. And this also plays into me trusting you. And I've had a really hard time trusting you because I think I've learned that if I give my trust away or if I give my control away and trust someone else, that it can all come crashing down. And that's very scary for me. I'd rather be in control and have it come crashing down and it be on me than relinquish control to you and then have it crash down. So that's that. Yeah. Good help on that. <laughs> well, I think it's like I don't I think there's I'm not necessarily like relinquishing full control. It's like it's it's the power to co-create something with somebody, which takes a lot of it's like choosing your battles and and what you know, when someone challenges what's valued to you valuable to you or or in alignment with you, that can you really be objective and question that? Mm-hmm. Well, I said to you earlier, I feel like I'm having to let go of everything I thought to be true. Mm-hmm. And like my whole world is different. Yeah. And that's scary. There's a lot of surprises there too, which are, mm-hmm. I find fun, but that's yeah. just me. I like surprises to an extent. <laughs> so how do I talk with you about your little boy? My and, inner child. Yeah. And what is the best way for me to call you out without bringing out your big dick energy? So these are one and the same for me. And my, call- my big, big dick energy doesn't ever go away. Yeah. It's always out. Yeah. Full on, mm-hmm. fully torqued. Can you explain, since these are my listeners, what BDE is? No, you can. Oh God, I'm too deep in the BDE world. I can't. I can't describe it to anybody. So, friends, mostly ladies, thank you for bearing with me in I this. Think everyone knows a big dick energy. I is. had never heard of it until you. So, okay. If I'm behind you guys, thanks for bearing with me as I pretend to define this. Big dick energy is like this sort of very masculine, aggro, like. That is, egotistical. That is the opposite of big dick energy. Okay, so then. Oh my god! See, that's I don't See, even know. Here's the thing: that's small dick energy. If you're aggro and you're all like driving a big truck and you're like ego fool, that, that that's small dick energy. That's SDE. Okay. Big dick energy is like George Clooney, like swag. Ooh. You see what I'm saying? It's like I'm here for that. That guy, that guy feels like he's got a he's like he's got a big dick. It's like confidence. It's like uh, real confidence. Oh well, then this question isn't even pertinent because like that doesn't even make sense. Well, somebody doesn't know. I mean, yeah, I was like, I think I feel like you'd want that big dick energy. Okay, so what he's asking is, what is the best way for me to call you out without bringing out the ego and the defensiveness and the aggression? That's what, is what the I'm best getting. Way to call me out. So this goes hand in hand with the little boy conversation because what I have learned is that Connor has abandonment issues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that in like a mean way. That's just like a thing that he deals with. What? That was just not what I was expecting you to uh, say. Oh, what did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Oh, well, you do. That's great. And I have to take that into consideration in everything I do because... When did you realize that? And how did you realize that? I mean, I knew that when I listened to your podcast before I met you and you talked about your family so much. Mm. 
So yeah, that was that was pretty apparent early on. But and you've admitted it a bajillion times since then. And it it shows itself in different ways. And I I can see it as a core issue when things pop up. I'm like, oh, this is that. Oh, this is that. And that helps me navigate conversations with you. And also, I know that you don't like to be told what to do. You like freedom. And you don't deal well when someone comes at you like emotionally or aggressively because you immediately jump on the defense, which that's normal. Most people do. Yeah. I also like to argue a lot. And you really love to argue. Well, I think also it's important to note that like if I'm arguing with you, it doesn't mean that like I'm fighting with you. Totally. Sometimes I just want to argue with you just for the shits and gigs. Talk about arousal. So... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I get. I'm learning. So (laughs) knowing all those things about you, what I have learned, especially in the last couple of weeks, because it feels like we've been having so many intense conversations, is I have to stay calm and grounded. I don't raise my voice. I really try and like breathe through it. I hear you. I hear you out. I acknowledge your feelings. If you are saying, this sucks, this is hard, blah, 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 I respond with, I know this is so hard for you. I'm so sorry. This really sucks. And I also realize that you are toying with the concept of needing to feel free and do what you want and not have me tell you what to do because I'm controlling and I turn into a mom. So you're like <laughs> butting heads with that. And you are, there is abandonment issues there. So you need a grounded feminine energy and you need to feel safe. So I try and bring all of that together when I talk to you. And I think that it's been working a lot better in the last week because I've been very, very conscious of it. And I was telling you earlier, I'm having conversations in my head and almost pep talking myself of how to talk through things with you, not only for myself to choose different words and responses and Mm -hmm. ways of being, but to also show up for you the way you need to be talked to. Just like you did for me when I was so upset earlier and I was crying, I was like really dealing with something very painful for me and you held me and you you know, petted my leg and you were like, you're doing so great. I love you so much. You're amazing. Like, it's okay. That's what I need to hear. And that's how I need to be held. And I find that this is the best way for you to be held and seen. And your response is so much more calm. You can actually like think and have a more awareness around what you're saying and your reaction. Yeah, And I think that we get to a better place from that. I like so, it. I've never told you that. That's pretty, that's pretty how spot on. I try and like deal wow. with it. Good job. Thank you. Way to go, Kelly. All right. The last question is, this is tough. And we've never talked about this. So I'm so excited because we have so many moms that listen to this show. So this is... Listen up, Ooh. parents. This is a really, really big topic. And I hope that we handle this well. Neither of us have children. Keep that in mind. <laughs> so... We both were children at one point. Yes. Well, and I, I was. Yes. <laughs> I was just like a small... Well, actually, I was never small. <laughs> I've just been an adult since I came out of the womb. Okay. So this mom has two young boys. And this is about the boys and their sexuality. She says that she is very open. She is 
she's trying to foster a relationship where they feel comfortable asking questions. Her oldest son is in middle school. He has Instagram. And she reads his account, which he is completely aware of. That's part of the rules for him to be able to have it. She said that he searched nude one day and she told him not to do that because the people on the other end of those accounts are not to be trusted. But she followed it up with, it's great that he's curious, that he's interested in women and did her very best to not shame him. But now she's saying she's confused if she's doing the right thing or if she should get him bikini magazines or something of that sort. She said his dad is oblivious to what's on Instagram and grew up with sex shame in a very religious household that never talked to him about sex. So her question is, how can she handle this properly and not shame her son and foster his curiosity in a safe and age-appropriate way? <sighs> Middle school. Mm-hmm. Oh, challenging time for young for youths out there. <laughs> I wish... I, you know what? I wish... Here's the thing. I grew up once upon a time. And um, we had to uh, procure porn however we could. It was a scavenger hunt out there. It's like, where can you find it? Where can you get it? Can you keep, can you, when you get it, can you hide it from your parents? Our parents found that shit in all kinds of random places. I, we, found, we put it in a, in a duffel bag underneath a trailer in our back. We lived on three acres. Got found. Oh my god! I, I was like, "How the fuck? This looked like trash." And it was like, "Of course, we probably didn't hide it very well." And it's. I wish you know. I think that that's. And you know, I would sit around watching Skinamax, you know, Cinemax late night, and uh, and I would you know watch I, Sex in the City, just trying to see a boob, which is like not the best option. Who was your favorite? I didn't like any of them. Oh, oh man. the brunette one. Oh yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, that was the only one that really made any sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Charlotte and I are like the same person, but okay. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> Weird. Um, so, uh, <laughs> just kind of funny now, but, uh, but no, it was like, it was like, that wasn't my motivation for watching. It wasn't the like character development, but it was, it was funny that I was like trying to like find it wherever you could. And now the access to social media and Instagram I and mean, you get the fuck there's porn on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like every now and then I'm like, that's, that's like real, that's like, that's real porn. Mm-hmm. Like penetration full access from the back GoPro shit, like next level. So I think that there's like this, this balance with it where it's, it's hard because he's all of a sudden for the first time in this kid's life, he's not in control of his own body. The hormones are taking over. The hormone monster. They're moving it. The hormone monster is taking over. Oh my God. Watch Bigfoot or Big, Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Big Mouth yes. on Netflix. So good. Holy fucking shit. That is such a good resource. Watch Big Mouth with your kid. He was in middle school. Oh, that's true. It will open up so many conversations around sexuality and it is hysterical. It is. It's so funny. Like that's opened up conversations with me and my friends. Like and they go there. Like, like the guys who made that show really, it's on Netflix. It's fantastic. It's it's. Probably not age appropriate in the language and things like that, but it's. I mean, he'll. Feel, They're hearing it anyway. He's, he's going to feel so cool being able to watch it. He may not feel that cool watching it with you, but it's like, hey, we're going to like watch this show, and like it'll be it'll be an icebreaker, and it'll take. Thing about it is, because you don't want to become like, oh, the cool mom. I'll talk about sex because then that makes like sexuality related to his mom. Yes, you see what I'm saying? Totally. It's like there's certain things where this kid's going to have to figure it out. He's going to have to jerk off into some tube socks. <laughs> 
But the Instagram thing is a slippery slope, and that's where I'll, I think that's where the it's most a slippery slope for adults. You're gonna, part of the thing is like you're gonna figure you're gonna figure out the sexuality stuff. I think one thing like little things when it comes to like masturbation, for example, which is like part of this kid's life by now, whether he's doing it or talking about it, it's a thing. Like letting him know that where you know do that in your room and slow down, like go slower. Like it's gonna be better if you go slower. You know, because I'm not, you know, just lock your door or whatever, like giving them permission to like have their private time and have their space to do their thing. Mm -hmm. Super, super important. Mm -hmm. Watching a show like Big Mouth where like this one kid comes in his pants at a school dance. Guess who that happened to? This guy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, oh, it was funny even for me as an adult. I'm like, oh, that happened to other people too. Yeah, me too. Cool. (laughs) And it's like, oh shit, like this is actually a show by adults who went through really challenging adolescent periods. And it was a fucking mess. And this kid's like, oh, wow. It'd be nice if he had the self-awareness to know like what I'm walking into is a goddamn shitstorm. And we'll fit, we're all on the other end of this thing. We'll sort it out maybe, hopefully, kind of. But if you can just have your wits about you and be like, listen, man, you're going to like get... Here's one thing that's going to happen. And you can maybe play this for him. I'll, how about I just talk to this kid right now? Yeah. Kid. Young man. Yeah. There's some things in life that are going to be challenging for you. Coming up soon in your life, uh, you're going to get hard-ons for no reason at all. Absolutely no reason at all. And during that time, you'll be at school and someone will ask you to come to the board and do a problem or you'll have to walk in the hallway. You got to pick up or down, bro. I'm an up guy. You, duck, you, tuck that, you tuck that dick into your waistband. The most reliable thing. It might come out and if it comes out, you got to have a strategy. You got to practice this stuff at home. If you get surprise boners at home, practice disguising that shit. Do that. Next, be careful with Instagram. It's a really, really dangerous place. Will literally impact your sex life forever. Don't fuck that up. You can't unsee what's out there. And you can't go back. (laughs) There's no going back. Nope. (laughs) When it comes to girls... Oh, wait. wait, We're talking about jerking off too. Mm -hmm. Jerk off slow. Take your time. Your mom's going to let you lock the door. It's fine. I know it's embarrassing at first. You'll be fine. Don't make too big of a mess. Everyone does it. Do your own laundry. That's the biggest thing. If you can take responsibility enough for yourself to do your own laundry so your mom doesn't have to fucking clean up your jizz rags, she'd really appreciate that down the road. It's really funny to talk about at Thanksgiving when you're like 30. Um, <laughs> respect your body, I think, is the biggest thing too. Mm-hmm. Like teaching a kid to like actually have respect for his sexuality, respect for his unit. You know, You only got one piece. <laughs> you're not gonna you're gonna change that thing. You gotta treat it with some respect and some kindness. You know, don't be slapping it around. Like just you know, be compassionate for your dick. You only get one. That includes when you start having sex. And use protection. Yeah, be careful with yourself. Right, you're gonna make mistakes. It's gonna be a shit show, but it's gonna be okay. Slow down. Stay off Instagram. That's not the best place for nudes, anyways. And um. My advice, if I'm giving like personal masturbation advice, find something that's like moderately risque, like bikini magazines, great example, because you have to use your fucking imagination. If you can jerk off using your imagination, if you can find sexuality in that, in your dome, in your brain, in your imagination, in your own space, you are beholden to no porn. And you can use it if you want. You can get on Instagram, you can do your thing, you can get on whatever site you want to, whatever will exist at the age appropriate time for you. But if you can use your imagination, you essentially have a superpower like X-Men. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice for this kid. 
I'm so proud of you. That was beautiful. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for you to have the sex talk with our children. I'm excited about it too. This is so great. We should adopt like grown up kids so I can have this conversation with them. Totally. That's all I have for you. That's Thank it? you for being awesome. How long was the show? This was an hour and 40 minutes. Wow. I'm proud of you. We did a good job. We I feel killed like. it. It's been fun. And I'm starving. So let's make some burgers. It's Burger Sunday. Shout out to uh, Buy Ranch Direct. Yeah. Where you can get ranch meats directly to your house. Yep. If you guys go to, this is not an ad by any means, but we love to share them and we love to share codes with you. So if you go to kellytenant.com slash shop, you can get a discount on our favorite meats that we have delivered. If you want some of that organ meat mixed with some beef, Ooh. what is it called? The, the uh, bison boost. Bison boost. Has liver in it. Yeah. It's got a little of that organy, that organy taste, but it is uh, super nutritious for your body. And that's what I'm about to make into burgers right now. Let's go, boo. <laughs>